Let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Julie. God bless her. passion don't you love young people that are passionate don't you love old people that are passionate don't you like middle-aged people like me that are passionate I'm glad you didn't say old people like me middle-aged people like me I met I met a girl and um, just recently I met this girl and she just had this this look in her eye you know Sometimes you meet people, you look into their eyes. You know, the, the Bible says that the eyes are the windows of the soul. And you can look into people's eyes and you can kind of know whether you want to continue a conversation or not. Do you know what I mean? And I met this girl and I looked into her eyes and there was something in her eyes. There was this life. There was this excitement. There was this... passion in her eyes and when I'm talking with her there's something coming off her that's making me feel alive you know what I mean and she had just had recently an encounter with God and she started to tell me about this encounter with God and it was like a few years ago she had this encounter but as she's telling me it's like it's happening right now to both of us because it's so real to her it's so alive and it's so beautiful and our eyes are just so full of it and that the atmosphere around us changes as she's talking with me because all of a sudden it's like there's no one else in the room because what she has is so precious that I'm just drawn right in and I'm drawn in to her encounter and she's she's telling me that she has this mission I've got a mission from God I have to go and I have to tell people. And she's telling me with tears in her eyes. I've got to go and tell people that he is real. I've got to tell people that God is real. And even as she said that to me, it kind of reminded me of someone. It reminded me of someone many, 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 many years ago who had had an encounter with God. And realized that God was real and that someone was me. And as she spoke to me, it stirred that thing up in me. And I could feel the passion coming on me. And it was like as she spoke, the love of God that she'd experienced was just like oozing out of every fiber of her being, getting all over me. It was like she was a jewel, like a treasure. Like a rare jewel that you find and you just want to look at it and study it and you know, and it glistens in the light. She was so precious. And I realized that, unfortunately, sadly, in Christianity, there's not many jewels that you find. There's not many that make you live when you come into contact with them. But, you know, to come into contact with someone like this, it just made my, my heart live. You know who you know that person was? That was Kylie. Today after church and she's saying to me I'm sorry that I've taken up so much of your time I'm thinking lady you don't know what you've done for me actually I could talk to you all day 
because you don't know how precious that is, what you've got. And you never want to let it go. Never let it go. Hold on to it with everything you've got. You're going to meet a lot of dead Christians along the way. You know, you're only two years old in the Lord, Kylie, but don't let those Sadducees, Pharisees, couldn't sees, wouldn't sees get near you. Just be like Jesus and stay passionate. And then I thought about it and I prayed after we parted, I prayed for her that wherever she went, that she would be completely contagious, that it would just get on people. And that, and that even Christians that have been Christians a long time, that this little woman would just get near them and they would remember their first love and they'd be stirred up in passion again. And then I thought about it, is it passion? Is it passion that she has? It's more than that. Actually, it's more than that. And I thought, no, what she has, she has an obsession. She has an obsession. Let me explain. I was listening to a song. Who's heard, who's heard the new um, Jesus Culture album? <laughs> I heard it for the first time last night. Woo! My bedroom became the Holy of Holies. And um, wow. I love that. Oh, there's some obsessive people. Jesus culture people. Why they call themselves Jesus culture? Because their whole life is about Jesus. They're not just passionate. They're obsessed with this stuff. I mean, it's in everything they do. It's in everything they think. It's in everything. It's in their, when they eat. It's everywhere. You know what I mean? It's an obsession. And they sing this song on the album that Delirious wrote. Uh, uh. I remember when I, when I used to sing in, in the world and, and, you know, I would sing different styles, whatever was kind of needed. Um, whatever show was on would be a different style I would sing or whatever. You know, if people say, do you like singing jazz? Do you like singing blues? Do you like singing this? And one day someone said to me, you know, what, what, what sort of music do you really love? And I said, no, I haven't found it yet. I haven't found, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then I, and then last night I'm laying in my room listening to this song. I went, I found it. <laughs> I found it. Can't sing it like Delirious, but I found it. And this song says this, what do I do with my obsession with the things I do not see? There's a madness in my being. Is it the wind that blows the trees? Sometimes you're further than the moon. Sometimes you're closer than my skin. You surround me like a winter fog and burn me with a kiss. And my heart burns for you. And my heart burns for you. Julie wrote a song. She was just, I think you're about 18. I don't know, like she was a teenager. And, um, you know, she's up in her room. She used to go up there like a crazy woman, like a crazy teenager. You know, she wasn't doing the stuff that other teenagers would do. She would just go in and worship Jesus with her piano. And she would get up there and she would just sing love songs to him. 
And she's singing this love song to Jesus. And then out came these words, my beautiful obsession. My beautiful obsession with a sacred one. This indescribable passion for the one. And, and that song, you can get that at the bookshop, that album, Beautiful Obsession, my, one of my favorite songs. Anne Graham Lotz, I think that, is Anne Graham Billy Graham's daughter? I think it is, yeah. She, she's just written a book called Magnificent, Magnificent Obsession. <laughs> because I thought, you know, obsession's a funny word, isn't it? Like, you know, when you say obsession, you think of people that are obsessive or obsessive compulsive behavior and all that sort of weird obsession. But I want to sort of, I don't know, sanctify that word tonight because I think a lot of, oh, Delirious use it and she uses it and Jilly used it. And I remember when Jilly used it the first time, my beautiful obsession, I thought, that's a strong word. And, um, but this is strong. What we feel, it's strong. Like really, there isn't a word. How do you describe, how do you describe a love that fills your being to the point you feel like you want to burst? How do you, how do you describe this God that comes to you and lives inside of you and lives through you? And, and so Anne Graham writes this, knowing God and making him known. Receiving his blessing to be a blessing. Fulfilling all the potential he has for my life. Living a life step by step in obedient faith. A life of eternal significance. This is my magnificent obsession. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? And then I thought about it. Some people would just go, well, yeah, I've tried God. Have you ever heard anyone say that? I tried that. I tried God. Try that. Next. Yeah. Hello. You know, God, we're talking about God. And, and really, you can't, there's no end. There's no place. There's no arrival point to experiencing God. Like one day you experience a facet of God and it blows your mind. And then he takes you on another journey and you experience another facet of his nature and his character. It just blows you out of the water. You think you just can't love him anymore. He can't love you anymore. And then he takes you on another journey and he just reveals another part of his nature and his character and just blows you away. And you look all the way through the Bible. You see the way that he would specifically reveal himself to people in different ways. Check this out. I want to know God. I want to know God as Noah did in his salvation from judgment. I want to know God as Moses did in his liberating power. I want to know God as Elijah did in his still small voice. I want to know God as Isaiah did in his glory. I love that one. I just felt it right then as I said it. And I want to know God as Jeremiah knew him in his faithfulness. When I was just sick for 15 months, every day sick, finding it hard to even live. I, I learned something about God's faithfulness as Jeremiah did. I want to know God as David did, as the shepherd of his soul. 
I want to know God as Ezekiel did, seated on the throne as the Son of Man. I want to know him as Mary did in his humanity and in his deity, as Peter did in his forgiveness, as Mary Magdalene did in his authority over demons. Praise God for that. Amen. Set us free, God, to love you. I want to know him as Lazarus did in his resurrection life. I want to know him as Lazarus' sisters did in his tender compassion. I want to know him as Paul did in his sufficiency of grace. And as the Apostle John seated on the throne as the Son of God. I want to know him as Abraham did as his friend. Wow. And then when you finish the whole Bible and you've experienced God every way that all these guys have experienced God, start again. Because wait, there's more. I was preaching last week on Mary and I just thought it was so amazing that Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, imagine that experience, visited by an angel, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, impregnated with the Messiah, became the mother of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was the impregnator, being God being the father of her child. Imagine that. And then she goes through the whole journey of bringing Jesus through and going through his death, his resurrection. And guess what? You think that she would have said, okay, that's enough. I've done my job. I've experienced enough now. Done the thing. Jesus is resurrected. The whole thing's happening. No. But there is Mary in the upper room with 120 waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because she wanted to be one of his greatest disciples. She wanted to go out with power. She was a very obsessive woman. (laughs) The Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus spoke these to his disciples and the crowds were listening. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the poor in spirit means these people who know they are in need of humility. You know, the Bible says, humble yourself and God will lift you up. And there's nothing greater. If you want to be an obsessive person, if you want to have an obsession for Jesus, just lay down all your pride, all your stuff, and just be poor in spirit. Just just love him with with abandonment without you don't have to prove anything you know pride comes out of wanting to prove yourself you know you don't have to stand before God and show him you know your marks at school and (laughs) your credentials now I've got a little card that says that I'm a you know ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ you know I never have shown that to anybody you know I just think you know, why? Because God lifts me up. God uses me and I don't need a little car because I don't have to prove any. God loves me. Amen. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn. And you know, you might think mourn kind of means, you know, being sad or mourning over someone who has died. But actually the mourning here actually means this. They mourn because the kingdom of God 
has not yet fully come in the world or in themselves. I mean, I, I, I feel this obsession that we have with the Holy One, this obsession that we have with God. You know, what is it? What is it? It's like a divine frustration. Because we're, you know, really we're meant to live with Him. And everything is, we're meant, it's meant to be perfect. And one day it will. One, one day the kingdom of God will fully come. And, and we will live with him and he will rule and reign forever. And we will be his people and he will be our God and we'll see his face. And there's something inside of us that knows that and groans for that and longs for that and longs for that for other people. And we look around and we know that the kingdom of God is not fully come and we mourn and, and we get more passionate, God. Fill us more, God, so we can touch the world, God. When you see broken, hurting people, when you see, when you see children dying of AIDS, when, when you see people that need the touch of God, you're mourning inside. You're crying inside. You say, God, let your kingdom come. Let it come. And then when you look at yourself and, and when you just internally look at yourself and you know very well that the kingdom of God has not fully come in you yet. You know, one day he'll touch us and make us perfect. But up until then, we're all sinners saved by grace, just trying our best to be like Jesus. Amen. And we groan over that. The Bible says that creation is groaning. All of creation, you know, if you could hear that sound, God, let me hear it one day. I just walked out in my back porch five o'clock in the morning. It was just sort of this glow about the light because the sun hadn't come up. It was just a glow. And the Lord said, listen. And I closed my eyes and I began to listen. And I, what's that? He said, listen. And it got bigger. What is that? He said, I'm letting you hear it. All of creation is groaning. All of creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of God. Waiting for you, waiting for me to arise and be so obsessed with the kingdom of God that things begin to turn around and change. All of creation is groaning. We mourn. Blessed are they who mourn for they shall be comforted. And then it says, blessed are the meek. And the meek here means the absence of defensiveness, a total surrender, total transparency, for they will inherit the earth. Now you, you want to know God? You've got to get rid of the walls. You've got to get rid of the defensiveness You've got to come into a place of total surrender and total transparency. You know, when they walked in the garden with God, Adam and Eve, they weren't just physically naked. They were physically, spiritually and emotionally naked before God. They were transparent with him. There was nothing to hide. That's why they put the fig leaves on and then they hid behind the rocks when they had sinned. 
They had to hide from you. You don't have to hide from God. God's looking for you. And he wants you to come right out into the open, into the light. And let him shine his beautiful light on you. So that like Kylie, when you go speak to people, that light's just going to come oozing out of you. And touch everything that you come near. Because, you know, the Bible says that when they saw the disciples, they knew that they had been with Jesus. You know, when I look at Rose, I know she's been with Jesus. When I see this worship team up here, and I, and I know they've been with Jesus. I love this church. I look around. Mm, you know how good it is to be amongst brothers and sisters who are passionately obsessive about God and his kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Not by wars, not by forcefulness, but by laying down our lives. Amen. And blessed are the hunger, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be completely satisfied. <laughs> blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. And I just added my own one here. Blessed are they who have an obsession for God. I, I think my, I was saying to Kylie today, I believe my life message that I have, that God has given me, is that I would let people know, like Kylie said, that he is real. And that he wants to love his people. And that the love of God would be poured out. And the reality of God would come into the hearts of people. And that I would see a people rise up who would just love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind and their strength. And love their neighbor as they love themselves. Let's just stand on our feet right now. Blessed Jesus, you're so beautiful. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. I just want to give you the dictionary. The dictionary, what do you call that? Interpretation? What do you call that? Definition. The dictionary definition of the word obsession. So that you understand that it's a good word. Have you got that, Tim? Oh, good. The domination of one's thoughts or feelings by a persistent idea, image, or desire. My prayer for you is this, that you would wake up in the morning with a persistent image in your mind. That you would wake up in the morning with a persistent idea, with a persistent desire that you would walk through your day and you would just walk with Jesus wherever you go that he would be persistently with you that you wouldn't be able to think about anything else aside from him and even when you do think about other things he's just right there with you in everything you touch and everything you do and that he would become your beautiful obsession amen thank you Lord right now let your grace fall in this place, Jesus. Let your grace fall in this place, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Lord, Holy Lord. Just lift it up, Lisa.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Lord, holy Lord, holy Lord. Oh Lord, let your obsessive people arise. Lord, we want to love you. Why don't you just tell him right now? We want to love you with all our heart. Lord, we want to seek first the kingdom of God. There's many things we can get obsessed about, but we want to get obsessed about you. We want to be a light that shines in a dark place. We want to love you with everything that we have, Lord. Fill us afresh tonight with your Holy Spirit so that we can go out.